All right, so I have a confession. I forgot my Bible. <laughs> it was a rush to get out the morning. Uh, get out this morning. I left the house at uh, 7:30 to get to my church to set up, and um, my Bible was right there. So I hope the reading is there. It is. There we go. So that's good. But hopefully, you guys didn't forget your Bibles. All right. Um, I want to pray. As we get started this morning, let's pray. God, just thank you for um, this morning. Thank you for um, just the opportunity to come together as your people to worship, to pray, to take part in uh, communion together, to hear from your word. And I just pray, God, that your spirit would be uh, present this morning and whatever God is of you, that that is the thing that settles deeply in our hearts, and whatever is not of you, God, that just would pass through us. Thank you for this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, well, so I'm glad to be back. This is the third time that I've been here, which means I must be doing something right if Drew keeps saying uh, and letting me come back. So I'm appreciative of that. Um, he told me that you guys are doing a series on... Feasts um, in Scripture, primarily from the Old Testament, is that that's what I assume, right? Um, which is such a cool kind of series. I when he was telling me about that, I had never really heard um, a series kind of centered around the feasts of Scripture. But honestly, the more that I learn about the feasts in Scripture, the more I question why we don't do more of that kind of stuff in today's world, right? Everyone likes a good meal and a good feast, and and there's so much kind of meaning and, and significance to those feasts that happen throughout Scripture. Um, and so I told Drew I didn't want to like interrupt that series, but I also didn't want to like actually have the burden of trying to figure out what these feasts were about. I was going to leave that to Drew. Um, but instead, I just wanted to give kind of a, a teaching about a piece of feasts that I feel like you guys have probably touched on, but it's something that's really, I think, critical to what feasts are all about, and that is the heart of hospitality. Um, we, we love doing feasts. Actually, tomorrow evening, my family is going to be celebrating the Feasts of Booths, which is starting tomorrow. Uh, there's a Jewish family that we know that, is, uh, that we're really good friends with, and so we're going over there to their house, and they're setting up their sukkah, and we're going to have um, dinner outside. Uh, it's just going to be really fun. I, one of our favorite feasts that we kind of regularly participate at our church is uh, Passover, the Seder meal. I don't know if you guys have been a part of Seder meals before, um, but our church partners with a local messianic synagogue in Seattle. And so, um, again, the, 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 one of the assistant rabbis there, his family and my family are very, very good friends. Um, they live just down the road from us. They have, um, oh, I have four kids. They have six kids all the same age as mine which means they have two sets of twins. So that's just the way things work, I guess. But um, So we do tons of stuff together, and we love it. And so for the last several years, our church has participated in Seder uh, with um, Restoration Synagogue, is what they're called. But last year, last um, Passover, I asked my friend, the assistant rabbi there, and I call him my rabbi, which he... He always gets a chuckle out of when he hears that I call him my rabbi. But um, he, 
we, I asked him if he would host a Seder meal for just a, a few of kind of our close friends in Seattle, just at his house. And so we were um, at his house last year and, and we, you know, he was kind of leading the Seder meal and there was about 30 people in his house and we were all just kind of crammed in there. And we got to the portion of the Seder meal where we're supposed to eat the horseradish which you guys know the horseradish represents like the arduous journey of God's people, right? And the things that they were a part of. And if you've never had horseradish, it's like somebody went to the surface of the sun and scraped a little bit off and jarred it up. And then they're like, here, eat this. And my, my friend didn't tell us that when he was getting the horseradish, he didn't get the mild stuff. And so he tells everybody in the room, he's like, all right, now just get like a really small amount of the horseradish because this stuff is hot. And they didn't really understand what that meant, a really small thing. And we had people in there who had never done a Seder meal before, who had never had horseradish before. And I kid you not, there were people dropping like flies in that house. I mean, people... I had never been in a room so full of people that were coughing so hard like they were trying to cough like the plague out of their body. It was awful. There was this one girl, she starts running to the bathroom and pukes in the hallway. And it was just this like wild and crazy experience. And I kid you not, I mean, again, people dropping like flies. Like the kids were in, they were crying. It was amazing. It was this great experience. But I, I, I feel like, though, if the people of Israel who actually had experienced the things that we were trying to convince ourselves that we were actually understanding by taking the horseradish saw what was taking place in that room, they would have been highly disappointed because after that moment, I think half of the room was like, yeah, we're done. We're, we're out. This isn't worth it. I don't even want to do this anymore. And people were like completely checked out. But anyways, I say all that to say I love the meals in the Old Testament. The feasts are wonderful. Um, they're super fun to participate in and really learn about. So I'm excited that you guys are going through this series. But again, I, I told Drew I just wanted to hit on something that I feel like you guys have talked about before, which is really the reason why all these feasts happened in the Old Testament was because God looked down and he was trying to say, all right, I want my people, I want my people to experience my hospitality. I want them to know what it's like to be in relationship with me. And so I want us to kind of explore this idea of the heart of hospitality by looking at the hospitality of Jesus. Because you guys know, you know, we, we love Jesus. And I think sometimes, though, we miss the nature of his hospitality in Scripture. If we, if we begin to really kind of own that hospitality, though, and, and adopt it within ourselves, I think it will genuinely shape our surroundings and bring heaven to earth. You guys know, um, at my church, at Missio, um, in, in North Seattle, we've been in this series for like the last eight weeks or so called um, What If Jesus Was Serious About Prayer? And so we've been looking at different parts of Scripture about prayer saying, hey, if Jesus was serious about this, then this is what it actually means. Here's how we kind of live this kind of reality out. But one of the things that we have begun to understand about prayer is the way that prayer actually bridges the distance between heaven and earth. Right? It brings the presence of God into our midst on behalf of 
a lot of times on behalf of the people around us. But I don't think it's just prayer that does this. Participating, I think, in the character and nature of God here in this place and space will bring heaven to earth for the people to experience the presence of God. And one of my favorite ways that I feel like this happens is through hospitality. It's through hospitality. But one of the questions that I want us to really talk through this morning is then, what then is the heart of hospitality? If that's something that we know that helps people experience the presence of God, what is the heart of hospitality? When we think of hospitality, I think sometimes we think of things like the hospitality industry, like restaurants and hotels or things like that. Or we may think of just kind of a pretty standard definition of hospitality, which could be something like, you know, this friendly invitation of people that you know or don't know into your home, which I think is a pretty good definition of hospitality. But we sometimes hear in churches that churches will talk about being hospitable, or some people will say, I have the gift of hospitality. So what is it that we actually mean by that? And I think for me, the heart of hospitality is connection. Connection, right? A genuine and intentional desire to connect with someone in a very deep and meaningful way. To know them, to hear them, to understand them, and to be present with them in their story and in their lives. This was one of the things that Jesus was best at. If you think about his life, his life was spent drawing people to himself and then pointing them to the people around them, right? To say, how can we connect? How can we connect with people that we see around us? How can we form a meaningful relationship with these people? So I want us to look at uh, Luke chapter 14. Uh, We're going to read this uh, before we really dig in. This is one of the parables of Jesus, one of his teachings. It says, One of the dinner guests on hearing this said to him, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, Someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I've just been married, and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, sir, what you ordered has been done, and there is still room. Then the master said to the slave, go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. And this is the word of God for the people of God. So this again is just a teaching of Jesus. And Jesus is at this home of this prominent Pharisee and he begins telling this parable about a man who is holding a banquet. And in the parable, the master of the house is is God, and the great banquet is the kingdom of God. And this is the cool thing about the way that, that Jesus taught through his parables. Because I think in one short parable, 
He debunks this widely held belief about the kingdom while also bringing things down to the ground and giving them a very tangible framework for living lives of hospitality. And so again, this widely held um, belief that, uh, about the kingdom that was there present in the air area was that only the Jews would be accepted into the kingdom. And Jesus is going to have to constantly, throughout his teaching, throughout his life, he's constantly trying to reorient everybody to say, no, 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 the kingdom is actually for everybody. Because of the work that Jesus came to do, he's saying, look, the, 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 the doors of the kingdom are being burst open for everybody to participate in and to be a part of. It's not just for one group of people or another, it's for everyone. But then he also says, but now let me also show you what it's supposed to feel like as then people are experiencing the kingdom. Let me help you see what the kingdom is all about because the kingdom is all about participating in the hospitality of God's presence. The kingdom of God is the most hospitable place that has ever existed. You guys believe that to be true? God is the most hospitable host And the reason he has opened up the kingdom in such an inclusive way is because of his desire to be connected to you, to be connected to me, to be connected to the people in our city, right? God's hospitality is centered on his desire to connect with us, with all of humanity. And everything that he does is done so that a meaningful connection could be formed and established. I want you to notice that the master has three distinct invitations in this, in this parable. First, he sends out the special invitations, right, to the people that reject that invitation. See, I think the Jews that were present hearing this, this, this story that Jesus was telling, they would have understood that they were the ones who had received these special invitations to be a part of the kingdom, They were the chosen ones of God throughout the Old Testament. Yet what happens in the parable? Right? They they constantly are making up excuses for why they can't be a part of this, why they can't show up to the table, why they can't show up to this thing, this banquet that that God is hosting for people. So he calls his servant to him and he says, I want you to go back out and bring in all the sick, the hurting, the blind, the oppressed, the outliers of society. Bring in all the people who often go unnoticed in our world because The banquet, the kingdom, is for those people as well. And I love this because then the servant goes out and he brings all those people in. He's looking around. He's like, man, there's a lot of room left. So he tells tells the, the host, he's like, man, your house has more people, but there's room. There's still room. So then the third invitation happens is God notices that there's still space in his home. He sends out the servant a third time. He says, no. Bring everybody else in. <laughs> just, just go stand in the streets and just say, everybody is invited to be a part of this banquet. Everyone is invited to be a part of the kingdom. Let the people know that a great banquet is being held and that the master wants for them to experience his hospitality. I want you to notice how the invitation becomes more and more inclusive as the story goes on. Jesus' kingdom is the most inclusive thing to ever exist, and yet there is an exclusivity to the inclusiveness. 
Because the inclusive nature of the kingdom comes because of the work of one man. It comes because of the work of Jesus, right? It's through the work of Jesus that the kingdom works to include all of humanity. It's through Jesus where all people receive this invitation to experience the goodness the kingdom has to offer. It's through Jesus and Jesus alone that everyone is invited to the great banquet feast of God. And I think this is the part of hospitality that sometimes we miss. This is, the, this is the part of the hospitality of God that the Jews at this time certainly miss because I think at times we want the, the kingdom to be this exclusive place to ourselves alone, right? And the Jews certainly had wanted that too. It's like, oh, I don't know about all this kind of thing. It's for us. It's for us. And Jesus says, no way, that's not hospitality. Hospitality doesn't host a banquet that is reserved for the elite or for the specific people that we like. Hospitality throws open the doors of our home for as many people as will fit. No matter how they look. Right? No matter where they live. Hospitality says, who else can I invite to experience the things that God has blessed me with because there's still room for more? I think the amazing thing is that while we may be limited in the amount of people who can physically fit into our homes, the kingdom has limitless space and will never max out at the expense of someone joining to be a part of the feast. Jesus seeks to make a meaningful, life-changing connection with everyone. Which is why the doors of the kingdom have been burst open and the hospitality of God is free to everybody. So this is the teaching of Jesus on hospitality. But where do we fit into this story? Where do we fit into the idea of hospitality? And I think there's a couple of ways that we can begin to adopt the hospitality of Jesus to bring heaven to earth for the people around us. All right? So the first is that we become people of hospitality who have a genuine desire for meaningful connection with the people around us. I have this consistent prayer that I like to pray, and it's that my church, that your church, that the the churches in this area of the nation will become people of hospitality who welcome people into their lives in incredible ways. We have this couple at our church. Um, They're two of our closest friends, and they've been a part of Missio since realistically day one. But in the first two years that we were living in Seattle, we actually lived uh, just catty corner, just right across the street diagonally from this couple. And every Halloween, which is coming up by the way, every Halloween my family would make chili for our entire neighborhood. And we would invite everybody to make our house the first stop on their little Halloween journey so that their kids could have something of meaning in their stomach before they went and had, you know, massive amounts of candy. And it was always this huge, you know, wonderful thing where all of our neighborhood would come to our house, kind of coming and going for a while, and they'd eat chili, and then they'd go, and their kids would knock on people's doors asking for candy and stuff. And so that's what we would do for the first two years that we were living there. But we moved in our third year away from that neighborhood, but we still wanted to have the chili night on Halloween with our old neighbor, our old neighborhood. So we asked our friends, who again still lived in this neighborhood just across the street from our house, 
And their house was actually bigger, and it was just, you know, again, right in the same area, so it would be, you know, accessible for people. And so we were like, hey, could you guys host the Halloween chili night? And they're like, sure, I don't know what that means, but we'll do that. We'll open up our home. And so I kid you not, like, there's like 70 people that are coming and going for an hour, and they're just going like this. Like, you know, they did not expect that many people to be coming in and out of their house. And it was kind of like this feeling of like, all right, what did you get us into, Jared? Why did you, why did we agree to, to do what you had said? Anyways, about a year or so later, we, we launched Missio in April of 2018. And so we're, we're looking out kind of just like this at our church and we're asking people like, hey, we want you to think about people that you know that you can invite to be a part of this with us. And I remember afterwards, this same couple uh, came up to us and they're like, look, we have invited everybody that we know. There's no one else left to invite. And it was just, just this interesting thing that I think we sometimes feel a lot in churches, right? It's like, who else am I supposed to invite? I've, I've, done, I've you know, met everybody. I've invited everyone that I know. Who else can I invite? Well, again, three years later, now current day, the same couple owns this successful real estate company and they're forming community with just countless people from around our city who are moving here that don't have meaningful connections or relationships. And so they went from overwhelmed with a large group in their house to feeling like they don't know anyone else to invite to some of the most hospitable people that we know in Seattle, creating community for countless people who have none. And I think this is the growth of connection that happens within us when we begin to live into this idea of God's hospitality for the people around us. Because we begin to understand that we are called to be people who fight for community so that other people can fall into it. And I want you to hear that again because it's really important. Jesus people, (laughs) you guys, us, We are called to be people who fight to form community so that other people can fall into it. And by fight here, we're not talking about like fist fights, you know, like we're not like talking about confrontation and stuff like that. That's not what we're we're talking about here. We mean doing the hard work of constantly showing up in people's lives, inviting them to experience something meaningful. Inviting them to the table with us, listening to their story, sitting in their hurts. Fighting for people means that we often will sacrifice our comfort for their connection. Which is hard, right? That's a hard thing to do. During the last two years of COVID, there were moments where me and my wife just felt like we were kind of holding on to our community with two hands, just trying to not let things fall apart. And I'm sure you guys have experienced some of that same thing. It's hard, right? My wife and I tend to be people who very naturally form community. It's one of the reasons why we planted a church. But there are moments in our lives where we've looked around and looked at how hard it is to keep forging connections, to keep people engaged, to be willing to step into kind of the the muck of people's lives with them and offer them everything that we have relationally. And at times, we find ourselves feeling drained. And overwhelmed, like we're asking the question, yeah, but who is the people that are around us that are there for us? 
And then we remember this very call of Jesus to be people who fight to form community so that others can fall into it. And the more that we faithfully walk in that calling to do just that, the more we begin to see the people who were, who were those people who were able to fall into the community that we fought so hard to, to build, then they become those people that go out and they are the ones that are fighting for community as well. Because they're watching it happen, they're seeing it happen, and they're going, yes, we can do that as well. There's nothing like watching people who are, that you are discipling begin to step into the call of hospitality with Jesus. We have a campus ministry in our church at UW called Sojourn Campus Ministry, and uh, Dan and Holly Jarko, the people that lead that, and when they moved six years ago to Seattle to start this ministry, it was a bit of a struggle, I think, for them. They, they lost teammates right at the very beginning. They had a rough challenge, obviously, during COVID. There were no students meeting at UW on, on campus there, so it was a little bit hard to meet new students when you're not there, right, and no students are there. They would host these events for the first few years and like one to three students would show up, but they faithfully continued on building community, building relationships, building connection. And even though just a few people would show up, they kept working hard. They kept fighting to form that community for students to experience the hospitality of Jesus. And so this past, uh, it was like two weeks ago, was Dog Days at UW. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but that's when all the students are coming back to UW and there's like 900 uh, registered student organizations that all meet kind of in that little square thing in, at UW and there's all this fun activity and stuff like that. Well, Sojourn, our campus ministry, had a few events. On Tuesday, they had a, a, a bowling night and game night. And then on Thursday, they had boba tea night. You guys know what boba tea is? I didn't know what that. They were like, we're having a boba tea night. I was like, what the heck are you talking about? And it's like tea with things in it? It's yogurt? Oh, it's tapioca. See, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it sounds weird to me. But anyways... On Tuesday night, for bowling night, they had 50 students show up. On Thursday night, for boba, they had 75 students show up. And it's just amazing. For six years, Dan and Holly have been fighting to form communities so that eventually students would be able to fall into it with them. And it's such a beautiful thing to watch as students are getting to experience just a little bit of the hospitality of Jesus because Dan and Holly have worked hard to form something meaningful. So first and foremost in this story, we are people of hospitality who have a desire for meaningful connection with those around us. That's the first place that we find ourselves in this story. The second place is that we are the servant. We're the servant of the master in this parable, constantly going out into the city to invite people to the kingdom. So three times the master sends the servant to gather people to his banquet. Three times the servant does so and brings people into God's kingdom. We are people who invite others to experience the bounty of God's presence, the goodness of the kingdom, and the love of his son Jesus. And see, I think the servant was, he was a participant in the great feast of the master, which is why I assume he, he was so willing to be going, to keep going out to invite people into it because he was experiencing the beauty and the wonder and the goodness of that, of that feast. And he's like, man, more people need to be invited into this with us to experience the things that God has. 
I remember one Sunday evening, we were, when we first arrived in Seattle, we had a small little team of people, and we were supposed to be having a pizza night with those, those people at my house who moved to Seattle with us to start this church. And I kid you not, it was like an hour before uh, the event was supposed to happen, everybody canceled. And so I have all this pizza, and I'm like freaking out, and I'm like really kind of upset. And so I did the only thing I knew how to do. I just started knocking on everybody's door in our neighborhood. And I'm like, hey, I got pizza. Do you want to eat pizza? And so I show up with 35 people, and my wife opens the door, and she's looking, and she's like, what just happened? What did you do? And I was like, I have all this pizza. I didn't want it to go to waste. And the, everyone, you know, the people who were supposed to be here decided not to be here. But I wanted people to show up with me to eat the pizza, right? You have all this pizza. I think sometimes we view invitation as this scary, kind of pushy thing, right? Scary, it's pushy. People don't want this, right? This is the beauty of feast and food. The beauty of the meal, the feast, the festival is that all you are really doing is stepping into the hospitality of Jesus to invite people to experience the connection that comes through food and conversation. It's the most most disarming thing on earth is food, I feel like. I tend to believe that the most effective route to sharing Jesus or inviting people to a community of faith is through their stomach, (laughs) is through food. It doesn't have to come with a rehearsed three-point gospel presentation because it is already saturated with the presence of heaven on earth. Remember how all those, there's these little things, right, that we participate in that bring heaven to earth with us, right, that bring the presence of God into the midst of the people around us? Prayer is certainly one of them. But I believe hospitality, inviting people to share a meal with you, simply to connect with them, to hear their story, is another way that heaven meets earth, that God's presence meets the people around us. And so the second place that we find ourselves in this story we find ourselves being or becoming people of invitation to the table of God, going out and saying, come and be a part of this with us. See, I think the heart of hospitality, the heart of hospitality is connection. It's connection. A genuine and intentional desire to connect with people in meaningful ways. To connect people to us, to connect people to each other, to connect people to God. That's what hospitality is. What, what if this week we sought to make a meaningful connection with two groups of people? This is our, this is our little challenge for all of us uh, this week. All right, We're going to make meaningful connections with two, two groups of people this week. First, someone in this church that you guys don't necessarily know as well as somebody else, that you haven't spent much time with uh, than other people in this church? What if you invited them over for dinner, took them out for coffee to play games or whatever? Make a meaningful connection with somebody here in this church. I'm sure you guys are already connected, but one of the things that I have become really convinced in doing church planting is that we have a really difficult time as a church connecting to the people around us if we ourselves are not connected as the people of God. And so a lot of my energy and effort is helping our church become connected together. So then the second challenge I want to give you guys is what if 
there was someone in your neighborhood or community that you haven't really connected with yet. Maybe bring them some cookies, write them a note saying something encouraging. Find someone in your neighborhood or community and make a meaningful connection with them this week. Again, the connection and hospitality of Jesus doesn't have to be this long rehearsed thing. One of the things that we have come to really buy into and believe at Missio is that bringing the goodness of God into people's lives is 90% of the work. Right? And then we allow the other 10% to naturally begin to form because of the relationship that we begin through that connection. So that's your challenge this week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text Drew next week. I'm going to be like, Drew, did your people connect with each other or with someone in their community? And then the next time I come, the sermon's going to be a lot worse. No, I'm just kidding. Um, guys, hospitality brings God near for the people around us. I think that's the beauty of hospitality. It's the beauty of these feasts that you're talking about in Scripture. Keep that in mind as you keep going through these feasts with Drew. Uh, let's pray, um, and then we'll continue on in our time. God, thank You just for Your hospitality, for the things that You have done to bring the, the beauty and wonder and goodness of heaven close to us through Your Son, Jesus. God, I pray that we carry Jesus with us everywhere that we go and into every connection and relationship that we establish this week. I pray that there is just the courage to make a friendship. The, the resilience to say that one, one no doesn't end the relationship there. That we just keep pursuing a depth of relationship with people and that You're going to do something miraculous through that connection, God. May we be people who live lives of hospitality for the people around us because we genuinely believe that as we do, God, heaven is getting nearer for the people around us. We love you, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.